Hey guys, you all know I love a good success story and today we have a great one. Will Conning is the founder of SaaS Leads, a business that he took from zero to 2.3 million pounds in revenue in just 18 months. He's gonna tell you the story about how he dropped out of university, built a business that failed during the pandemic, but then still came out on top. So listen in and learn how you can bootstrap your business, how to work through those hard times while sales is the ultimate skill for a founder. It's a really great episode. I really hope you enjoy it. So look, the the headline here is that you built a company from zero to 2.3 million in 18 months through lockdown. Yeah. Yeah, the story, I've whittled it down very quickly, but there's more to it than that. So let's go right to kind of that pivotal moment in the in the story the mm-hmm. opening scene in in the movie of, of of will you drop out of uni yeah. yeah what happened i had too much fun just just too much too on, much fun on the yeah. lash too much yeah yeah and the rest but yeah that's for another that's for mm-hmm. definitely not off our podcast talk, talk. but f- for me it was uh left uni uh didn't know what to do um for my saving grace i spoke french so i ended up taking complaints of three years at eurostar Um, And then from there, I kind of got into the B2B space um, and then had the really good fortune of um, selling for companies like Trainline.com back before Trainline was really as big as it is now. Um, I then ended up at a company called Zipcar, which is got acquired by Avis. Then I ended up working for a very small company called Huddleby, which um, I got the job at Huddleby, went on holiday between jobs, came back and it's like, oh, you now work for Perkbox. And I was one of the original salespeople at Perkbox, which is where I met my co-founder, Chris. That was like seven, eight years ago. Um, did a couple more kind of like techs. Um, I'm a sales professional, um, spent a lot of time doing sales um, and fell in love with not just sales, but training young people to be very good at sales. Um, I got a lot of kicks out of that, but also kind of like the whole kind of tech sales tech piece you know tech's very very exciting i love it um and um throughout that journey though i got absolutely bored of making all these founders really rich you know because they've all gone acquired i've been i've seen four or five acquisitions and um when you're the first sales guy on the ground you're definitely not going to be the richest sales guy (laughs) at all because you haven't achieved things like product market fit so i developed all these kind of skill sets around sales at the same time i also was a little bit some might say arrogant, I say supremely confident, and I thought I was right. And that often didn't lead to me winning those conversations. And so I, I, I left a few businesses, uh, I wouldn't say on my own accord. Um, but ultimately, after like the third time that happened in two years, <laughs> um, I remember, and this is the opening movie moment, as you say, I remember I've been in this company for, for six weeks, a very respectable fintech. And they said, look, well, this isn't working out. And I remember I was walking up and I was just walking around Old Street, you know, Old Street roundabout. And I was like, so lost. Just didn't, where am I, I, what am I, you know where Wall Street, Wall Street roundabout is. It's like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Like, just <laughs> yeah, didn't know where to go, what to do. It's like 10 o'clock on a Friday. Like, what is happening? And I'd had this idea, which I'll talk more about, but. And I kind of been doing links and notes on it, but no more than some thoughts, you know. And I just phoned my mum, um, bless her, and I said, "Mum, I've been sacked again, <laughs> again. <laughs> I, I have to do this. I have to do this, and I have to do this business, and I have to move home." 
<laughs> and I moved out when I was like 19. And this is when I was 31, right? So my mum, uh, she she packed all my bags. And next thing you know, I'm working from uh, my mum's kitchen table uh, with my sister's very shitty 300 pound laptop. Um, I had minus five grand in my bank account. And, um, and away we went. You did that. And so that was saying just for the audience, like that is not, if they are going through that thing now where they're like, they go to a job and they get kicked out. I think some of the best salespeople I've ever worked with, I fired. And the reason I say that is because they end up just being like, I want to do it my way. I'm like, unfortunately, mate, in this environment, you can't do it that way because this is the formula we have in place and you're probably too big a fish for this pond. Mm-hmm. And that happens. And you, and the other thing about salespeople is they are almost all entrepreneurs because ultimately you turn up, you've got nothing and you have to grow it. So you're on the kitchen table and you're there and you're, you're making this business. And I love that. That particular moment is not an unfamiliar one for any founder. Yep. Most founders start in a position of debt and dis- dismay mm-hmm. um, because it's not something you usually make an active choice to go and put yourself into a scenario where you have no guarantee. Yep. What was the big problem that you were like, I can do this better and I can solve this? The first ever sort of aha moment I ever had was in a, in a previous job. Some outsourced sales company said to me, uh, hey, do you want to buy outsourced sales products? And, you know, I'd been bitten once by this before. I was like, not on your life. Put the phone down. And then the penny went, penny dropped. I was like, well, what if I did it? And, and I realized pretty quickly sort of developing, you know, sketching out in my mind what could an outsourced sales development company look like that is actually really, really like shit hot do. Well, you need really great talent. And the thing is, you can't really attract great talent to an outsourced sales company because there's not really a career path. And then the second thing I, I realized is that outsourced sales companies, um, they don't really have the kind of expertise that perhaps I've developed working for some of the sort of UK's like hottest number one tech startups kind of thing. So it was those two things. And it was like, well, if I did it, I would, I actually baked in the fact people would leave, <laughs> you know, if you think about it. So um, I, I figured out actually if to attract the best talent, if I can bake in the fact they leave, and then train them up really good and give them that training, that work experience. What do you have with at the end? And actually, we've got a really, really happy rep. And it's not difficult to go and get loads of grads. I mean, it's not easy, but you can, you can do that. So ultimately, what I ended up realizing is that actually this, this model is, is, a, is a, it's a school. <laughs> it's a school. It's like a vocational apprenticeship type school model. But yeah, the point was, is like, okay, I'll set this up in Barcelona. I'll attract a bunch of grads who are just, gradu- just graduated and say, hey, come work with me in Barcelona for a year. I'm going to pay you like pennies on the salary. But in Barcelona, that's still quite good. And what I'll do is we'll run this outsourced sales function. And at the end, I'll try and get you a job at a top tier tech company. That was the original concept. COVID happened. <laughs> and suddenly this dream life in Barcelona um, was suddenly became a prison. Right. And it wasn't the kind of Boris lockdown where you could go and do an exercise for an hour. It was hardcore lockdown, pulled over by the police. They're going for your shopping bags. Like it was horrendous. And you're in a, a flat, right? You're in an apartment. It's not garden lifestyle. So on top of that, all my, all my, um, all my consultancy clients on the 1st of April, uh, 2020, 2020, on this, all on the very same day, ripped up their contracts. So my entire life had just, been ripped from me and i just spent an, a year and a half building that life you know so real 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 gut punching stuff um i'd managed to save about sort of 10k by this point which is not a lot <laughs> not a lot at all 
but it was enough. And I managed to keep one uh, really small client on some kind of very sort of very small retainer fee with some ghastly payment terms that no one in their right time should right mind should have agreed to. But I recognized it as my lifeboat when that's all you got. Right. So you took it and I was like, at least I got something I can work with something. And I used that time working for that company to develop the academy idea more. But one of the benefits that had happened was that actually everyone's a bit screwed. <laughs> so and everyone's suddenly on Zoom, right? Everyone's on Zoom and um, I can get access to talent. And the tech sector was, although we all took a hit, right, it was probably the fastest to recover for obvious reasons. And it was the fastest for the people saying, actually, you know, look, let's get back on the sales train, everything else like that. So I got a lot of people coming to me saying, hey, Will, can you do this sales development consultancy work? And I'm like, no, game over on that. You know, I'm going to do something here. And I also had a lot of people coming to me saying, Will, I know this person, they've just graduated. Can you, can you help them? Right. Just help them. So I spent the first four months of lockdown just helping people, despite the fact I've had to move back to my mum's, despite the fact I'm no longer in Barcelona, that relationship went and all that horrid stuff and my life when I was still going around trying to help people get jobs. And and it just so I, I kept going to these tech companies. I was saying to them, oh, you look like I know the student. They'd be great. And it's like, well, we can't train them. And then I said, I'll train them. So I was like, yeah. So I then just started doing that nearly for free lead per generation model. And again, it's that combination of helping people and just, frankly, for lack of a better word, hustling. <laughs> like, it, it was a scrap. I mean, I, I make it sound so chill now. I was scrapping for my life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I was doing it from, from home. I was heartbroken. I was arguably in a, a, a depression, you know? Well, arguably, I definitely was, you know? But nonetheless, I had that resilience and fortitude to keep going, probably because I've been sacked so many times, <laughs> you know? Can we touch that a little bit? Yeah. Do you think, like... So it's interesting you say that. So um, <clears throat> failure is an is a something that happens to founders left, right, and centre all day. Every day, every day you will come up against a failure in whether I failed more times than I've won. Yeah, constantly, all the time. And then, like you, uh, like <laughs> we had a candidate who we we were hiring, and then we lost that candidate. Like the, yeah. every day that happened just today. We had someone pull out on on um, on something to do with our NFT launch just today. Like it happens mm -hmm. all the time. However, I have this theory that. If you want to prepare someone for being a founder or being a career as an entrepreneur, sales is the best ground to do that because people will look at you and be like, hey, you're a top sales guy. But you'll be like, yeah, but I have lost 50 deals this month. Yeah, but I've just closed seven. Yeah, yeah because the point is like, because you're dealing with that rejection day in, day out. Whether you send out a mail shot and you get two responses, yeah, you've got 3,000 people who didn't respond. Whether you're making your cold calls and you know, you've done 20 calls and then picked up, you do 20 meetings in a week. And only one of them goes through to the second meeting. Like, you know, you're trying to improve those conversion rates, but you are getting failures all the way along the line. All day long. But yeah. you just learn to just accept that, like, it's just part of the journey. Yeah. And so do you think that built your resilience, which allowed you to be able to deal with these things that other people would have been like, do you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to go back and work in a corporate. Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's not the only thing, but that resilience that you build in sales, um, you're taught certainly within our academy, when you go in as a sales development representative, if you have a 95% failure rate from your cold calls, you are like in the top 1%. Well, well, world class. <laughs> world class, yeah, right? Because that means you can what? You can, you can make five meetings or 100 calls, right? I can make 200 calls a day. I can do 10 meetings a day. You would be literally one of the best SDRs in the UK, right? Or in the world. You, you would literally be. would be, you would right? Be. So it's just about reframing what that is. And, and a no ultimately is the second best answer in sales right maybe oh, 
<laughs> what does that mean you know uh, or send me an email or whatever those things mm-hmm. are that's 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 where see what, what you want is yeah and then obviously the best answer of course is yes yeah so you want you're always going for if you seek out the nose anyway right that's that's well one step closer to a win because you're you're refining you're focusing your efforts on 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 the win and and, and we play to win yeah i like that how did you convince these grads to come and work for you because at the time like mate, you've got nothing nothing how are you convincing these people to come and work for you? Because as, as a lot of founders are in that, that position. Mm-hmm. Like, they've got nothing, but they've got to get people to come and join their ride. So how yeah. did you do it? So I think first things first, it's worth reminding ourselves that we were in the middle of the pandemic. This was lockdown one. So there were a lot of people that couldn't even get a job down the pub pulling pints, right? Or next or whatever. Um, and no one was hiring. So a lot of people were really put out of work and all these graduates the classic no experience thing was really showing hard at the Mm. time the second thing was is that i'd actually bumped my first ever hire was a guy for the first test run of this was a guy called azana and he's my chief of staff now actually shout out to azana lad um he actually was um doing an internship for his uh entrepreneurs entrepreneurship in uh imperial college and he had to do an internship basically his original project had fallen through due to the covid situation so luck (laughs) that i I got this guy to come and work for me um and do this internship because he 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 frankly had to to pass his very expensive mba at you know (laughs) imperial and um and i i just said to him and i remember said to him he's like look i haven't really got any money to pay you but i will teach you everything i know and i promise you that with my life and i will do everything in my power get your job at the end of the three months Right. And I guess I convinced him. He then threw me a few of his friends. Uh, Leif is actually one of my other employees. It's his friend from Dubai. He now is another one of my full-time employees. And, and I said to him the same thing. Um, and then I proved it. So I think outside of all of that, it's, you know, that integrity to say, no, I'm going to do this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to be a man of my word. And, and I did it. And... Um, Obviously, they had to take that leap of faith with me and I had to use the best of my sales skills to do that to happen. But I think what's more important is that I I follow through with it, you know, because I think there's a lot of people that say, yeah, yeah, I'm going to do that for you. And they don't. Um, But ultimately, I know that I have an incredibly loyal team because I follow through with my words, you know, and and, and that from the early age and just doing that. I remember my first five students in the first official academy, I bought them a a sales book. I, I can't remember what it was like fanatical prospecting or something like that and i ordered them from amazon and then i wrote a handwritten message in them and then i posted it in the post to them and i sent it to them right what cost me like 15 quid a book max plus my handwriting plus a bit of effort but that one message to these five people that have just basically believing this at the time i had a big bushy beard and my long hair locked down hawaiian shirts you know didn't really give a shit about everything the depression bit as well you know i must have looked i did look an absolute state you know but i think they felt that sincerity and that conviction from day one and then and then i made it happen and i got them to make it happen and i like to think i created a a psychologically safe environment where we could be friendly and startupy but i also sort of aligned that with this very clear expectation of results and culture and how we're going to operate and how we're going to run, run a solid business from day one. So, yeah. That's great. In the current climate, marketing is hard. But do you know what isn't hard? 
making sure you never miss an episode of your favourite podcast. So tap the follow button on your podcast and you'll never miss out on the latest episodes of Unicorny or Marketing Difference. You can even go back and listen to our back catalogue of amazing episodes. If you do that, please leave us a review. It would mean so much. So you um you start a business that doesn't actually, you have no rights to start you know in terms of like training or anything you're not a trainer you're not a content deliverer you don't you just really. you just have no. the skills yeah, yeah you're not coach you just have the skill sets yeah and so how are you generating revenue were you just doing it through the training like what were you doing <laughs> yeah so i i i basically well i know how to do deals so i wrote my own contracts to the start you know yeah. all those years as an account executive sitting in those bloody awful meetings those lawyers i obviously absorbed something um, so I knew how to write a very, very terrible terms of service, something to get me going. Um, I had a network. Um, so, uh, invest in your LinkedIn network. If you're not doing it now, do it immediately and get on with it. It's, it, it's, it's free marketing. Like literally I have, you know, I mean, it's incredible. I can, I can pick up the phone with these people. I have a personal brand. These things are very, very important. Um, I used to get in trouble, like get a lot of abuse for that as well. Like six, seven years ago. Why are you spending so much time on LinkedIn? Well, now I'll tell you what, mate. Yeah. Six years later, <laughs> you're thinking, do you know what I should have done? I should have spent more time on LinkedIn. Right. But, yeah. but really people should have, you know, at the time. Oh, mate, right now I tell you like, to everyone, like there's one thing that costs you nothing. Yeah. But it's worth everything. And that is building your network. And the you, easiest place to do it is LinkedIn. Uh, it's, if, if, if that's where your customers are. Right. One, yeah, exactly. Yeah, one thing about LinkedIn as well, just so people know, yeah. is that you, know, you might throw 50 posts out. And get five likes, three likes, yeah. four likes, whatever. Mm. But I promise you, if you keep doing it, eventually, I just have one that went over a million um, yeah. views. And it's like, but you're putting it every day. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not everyone does well, but eventually you do it. Yeah. And then you start going through thresholds. You start getting more and more people following mm. you. You get people, and then you get people connecting with you and saying, I like your content. Yeah. Come and talk to me about this problem. And then they offer you work and so forth. And it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. But when it happens, you're like, fuck, I wish I yeah. started this earlier. That consistency is so hard there, isn't it? To get it, doing it every yeah, day. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I struggle with it at the moment, just doing everything that's going on. But well, It's the hardest thing about yeah. anything, if you want to improve anything, mm. is, is yeah. being consistent with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. We all know that if we do you know, 50 push-ups when we wake up in the morning and then we diet properly, we'll have abs by the summer. It's probably that simple. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah, it is. we don't. And, and like we're starting to see some young, some of the, the you know, these new graduates come into our academy and they, they're, they're social natives, certainly compared to... Well, I'm 35, right? So I, you know, I, we didn't grow up on on Facebook or all that stuff. But these 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 new people coming in that have grown up on Facebook. Um, one of our uh, students, she's just graduated. She she gets what her last post got 600 likes. She's been doing LinkedIn for less than three months. I know they're natural, but that's that's their. I mean, yeah. she's talent, obviously, but that's it's their natural home. Amazing. As, a, as opposed to millennials who have had to kind of like. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah we, yeah. yeah, we really have to think about it. Yeah, yeah exactly. we actually have to think about it. This is natural. This is their life. This yeah. is how they live their life. I mean, not sure that's the life I want. But going to my point, like LinkedIn, you know, going back to what I was saying, is like LinkedIn was, I was, a, it's my CRM. You know, like yeah. that's it. So I, I'm a sales professional. I know how to run a sales process. I know how to sell. So if you're going to bootstrap, knowing how to sell and knowing how to sell your skills was a way to generate funds you know and um and, and it just worked right and 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 i think timing was key as well like the whole shift from sort of traditional sales to digital sales has been massively exacerbated by the pandemic right i'm not I, i'm not going to say like oh yeah i just did this on my own i mean i did but but i i took i was an opportunist at the same time i just happened to be at the right place right time 
COVID happened, I'd already got used to remote working because I was doing this consultancy, right? I was already like a year and a half ahead of everybody else. Like it was just pure luck that I got sacked on that day. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. cheers, whoever did that, you know who you are. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> but it's that, it's that thing. It's, it's, it's just the, it's luck half the time, isn't it? But you, you, you ultimately create your own luck, right? You know, that's what I think. I think you put loads of stuff in and sometimes things come out and you go, right, that's it, go. And then you take that strategy and you just have it. Is that thing where you optimize to be lucky, right? Yes. Okay. Like, you yeah. know, if you, if you, um, you put yourself in more scenarios and, you know, it's like when you used to, your sales is another great example of this. People say like, oh, you know, it's, it, uh, if, you look, if you look at sales, you can whistle it down to three things. It is, there's a technique to being good at sales. Mm -hmm. There's having great accounts and there's doing great numbers, like doing a uh, large yeah. amount of work. And the fact is like, if you have the one, you, you can improve at your skill. You can't always improve your accounts, but you can always improve your output. Yeah. And you'll find that you get people that be like, oh, he's so lucky. He's always getting these amazing deals you're like no he's not he's just making 100 calls a day every single day yeah. he's just optimizing himself to be lucky that's exactly. what he's doing yeah and occasionally you're going to stumble across someone who is going to do a deal within the next 24 hours in the last day of the month which means you're going to get over a threshold and you're going to get paid more than everyone else yeah that's how it works but you could also get sacked much quicker than everybody else right you're taking that risk yeah, on yeah, the other side yeah. you're, you're taking that risk you're playing the game that's it it's more it's more of a more of a sport in some respects. Well, that's the thing about sales. Well, yeah, you yeah. you are you are a commodity. If you're not putting in numbers, <laughs> you are a commodity. No matter how yeah. good you are, you are three zeros away from being fired. Exactly, constantly. But it's good to know because when you're a startup, so you're only four zeros away from losing your entire business. So. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. It's so true. Yeah, and it's sometimes so that's uh, exactly. Yeah, maybe not even that. Right. So it's so, yeah. I get it. So you've so you've you built. A big business like through um because you've grown through bootstrapping which is like yeah i always think the yeah the, the the nirvana of a startup because you've you've built through the best revenue you can ever have or cash you can have is your customers you know yeah. and you've built through that and you built mm -hmm. organically and mm -hmm. you've done it very quickly because you've got a great product and a great team yeah but it really comes down to the team and it comes down to you've obviously hired great people and built a great culture what are some of the lessons that you've learned around culture because you weren't a leader before, right? You weren't, you know, you were running something, but you weren't Not like... really. You, yeah, 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 yeah. So like, yeah. how did you, yeah. what did you do differently or what did, that you'd experienced before or what were kind of the key tenets yeah. which you thought about to make that culture work? So I think it's, first of all, understanding what culture is. So I've, I've worked in uh, like Perkbox, for example, uh, it's like employee benefits. And I think when I spent a lot of time sort of talking to HR professionals, you talk a lot about culture, obviously. And then you really realise there's a difference between culture and perks right you know there's you know you have a pool table in the office yeah cool but that's it is not, cool don't, it's don't, very cool don't don't don't, don't start slagging cool. off don't i love come your up pool into table. my office william you, and start you, having a go at my you, pool you table don't there. don't you do, nibbled yeah you. i'm biting i'm biting yeah <laughs> very good <laughs> the point being is that's a perk but culture in my mind is it's about um it's a set of actions in terms of to achieve the business objectives it's um I believe that a culture should support the, the objectives of the business and then the culture should support the people that support the objectives of the business too. So it's this very kind of cyclical relationship be between both. I'm a really big fan of um, Ben Horowitz and he wrote The Hard Thing About Hard Things, but um, he also wrote his second book, which is What You Do Is Who You Are, which, um, which talks more about this, this kind of level of culture that it's all about, it's essentially, it's a set of rules, right? It's a set of rules that everyone in the business can, um, 
and uh, subscribe to so that when you as a leader have got your back turned, people can make those, are empowered to make those decisions. I'm a big believer in people just being grown-ups and getting on with their jobs. So um, Netflix, as well as a big inspiration, they talk about the concept of freedom and responsibility. And I think that's very apt in this world where we're talking about remote cultures and everything else like that. People think, oh, yeah, it's great. I've got this freedom to do what I want. I can come in the office and do what I like. But often what I think gets forgotten about, especially when you're working with junior people, because a lot of my people are, are junior, is that concept of what it means to be responsible. Like, yeah, sure, you can have six months off the year if you want. You, <laughs> how are you going to hit your targets? You know, so I want to create that culture of making people feel empowered, but making also people feel um, like they're grown ups. And um, that's hard because <laughs> actually it is hard to be a grown up, it turns out. And but then it's also about making sure people are aligned to that, that vision, that mission, they feel inspired uh, to, to go for the future, you know. So within all that, we have a set of values and virtues in our business. And, and before I even put my first person in um, as a student in the academy, I talked about culture. Um, and um, so every single employee, although we've got like, what, 35 now, the first thing that our employees do in their first week is they have an hour with me and we talk about this, um, about what is our, our, our mission and our vision and then what we do every day. Um, so there's the values, what we aspire to be, and there's the virtues. It's like what we do every day to get to those values. So a bit more on that, like values, you can't, all, we hit one of our values is transparency right? Love being transparent, love saying how it is. I aspire to be transparent every day. But there are times as a CEO, especially when you're negotiating things like term sheets and legal and stuff, or maybe there's a personal issue, you can't always be transparent. You can't. I can aspire to be it. But there's things you can do that are virtuous to get as close to those values as possible, right? So, um, yeah, we have nine virtues and five values, and the virtues and the value system are all interlinked. So, any one of my employees can deal with a situation and they can use that culture deck as a reference and a guide to make the best decisions possible so they feel empowered. Now, if they get it wrong, that's cool, right? Because they say, well, actually, within this culture, I've, this culture deck, I've made that decision, right? And a good one of our values is fail fast, learn quickly. So, you know, as long as they're learning quickly from that, you know, good startup value, right? Um, that really works. And, and I think the feedback that we have from um, people in, in my business is that they love that. They love it. They feel they feel they feel supported, but they feel like they have that freedom to, and responsibility to go and, and and do do what they want. You know, as long as they're getting my numbers, I'm okay. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's really good. I like that a yeah. lot. I like that a lot. So you're now uh, becoming a bootstrap trader because you built a bootstrap company to build yeah. SaaS leads. Yeah. yeah, but now you're spinning out and building some tech. I am. So yeah. that's cool. Um, as you know, I'm a tech fan. I'm a big fan. Yeah. You, but you're in that wonderful position whereby you're not technical. No. Okay. And so you're building a product with so far without a CTO. Yeah. Okay. Without a head of product. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just like <laughs> yeah. all of the things that VCs are like, I want you to have these things and this. Yeah, it's been a slog getting most. But I, 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 <laughs> I know because I was uh, closely connected with the process. Yeah. You've also been, but you've been successful in raising money because you have a very compelling reason why you were able to do that so yeah. how have you gone about making that pivot into becoming a tech business i had the good fortune of when i was in in my previous careers i i was a sales guy that had a very high level of curiosity 
and I wouldn't mind at lunchtime sitting with the engineers, right? Um, I love tech stories, you know. I love those people, like you know, the big Elon Musk, and whatever. You know, I, I find that I find it fascinating anyway. So I've always had that high level of curiosity and knowledge anyway. So all of that stuff. So I can't remember what the question was really, but yeah, you can you can do it. I I would say first and foremost is learn as much as you can about technology companies without being a tech person is is the piece of advice i give to anyone going down this insane route that i am in terms of why we're raising money is exactly to do that is is i've been very humble with my investors in the sense that i'm not pretending to be anything that i'm not <laughs> i have whilst i don't have the tech piece i have the i've proven a market i have a new proposition in the market that doesn't really exist elsewhere um i have an incredibly incredibly good customer base i have an incredibly good go-to-market team so my line to them really was well i might not have the product team which is what vcs want what i do have is i have a really shit hot go-to-market strategy now i'd rather have if you told me right now i'd rather have a half-baked product and a really good go-to-market team or a really great product and a half-baked go-to-market team i would i would choose my my one all day long because well, I've just proven what I can do on my own. I've made 2.3 million quid in 18 months. <laughs> so you've earned the right. You've earned it. Absolutely. Yeah. If I had to pressure you and ask you for three tips that you would yeah. give people to take to bootstrap a business from zero to 2.3 million in 18 months, yeah. what would they be? Massively build your network. Sell uh, something you're an expert in. Execute. Execute. Execution over everything. If you start overthinking, you're going to go too slow and you're not going to do it. Um, I, I cannot describe to you the importance of execution. It's probably the most important thing when you're bootstrapping. You haven't got time to fuck around. I'll take that. As someone who, yeah, you dropped out of uni. Yep. Um, and there'll be a lot of people who, who drop out. And yeah, good. Yeah, good on them. Like there's a, there is a the list of people who have been incredibly successful after dropping out from university is enviable. It's almost like yep. you just should just drop out. <laughs> but like yeah. what advice would you give to someone who is either just done it or is like a couple of years down the line and they're in a job that they don't really they've got a bit of a chip on their shoulder they feel a bit of insecurity about yeah. about that what advice would you give to that person so I, I think it's about understanding that irrespective of whatever degree or not whatever you do you've got to go and work hard so go go and find something that you have a relative degree of interest in and get that job don't worry too much about how much you're getting paid and just take use that opportunity to drive some disciplines in your life so i took complaints at eurostar for three years really angry french people for at least half a day that cribbler it was yeah. awful and okay i might not have ever wanted to be a customer service advisor but i learned how to deal with a lot of stuff i did i learned so much at that time at eurostar and it was wonderful you know i mean i don't want to do it ever again but I look back at that time and I think about those foundation learnings. So get some foundational learnings. People want experience. They don't want degrees. Degrees, I, everyone just assumes I have a degree. They have done for years, right? You know, and so, you know, it's not as relevant as you think it is. Um, yeah, work hard. I, I would also say if you have kind of a, an extroverted position, if you want to work in tech, I assume anyone listening here probably has some interest in tech and you're trying to figure out how to break into the tech sector. Um, yeah, get into sales, right? And uh, become an SDR. That's it. It's an entry level. 
being and and being a, an SDR isn't necessarily are going to go down that traditional route of like junior sales to senior sales and up. You could end up going into marketing. You could end up to product development. But what you've got is you've got a foot in the door with some of the most exciting technology companies in the UK, right? And you don't actually have to end up in sales. It's just a great avenue. And those skills will help you across your whole of your career. Like you want to learn to sell. You learn how to pitch for a promotion. You learn how to pitch for a pay rise. You Correct. learn how to sell yourself in a job interview for yeah. your next job. Like that's that, those skills are the most transferable you can get. Indeed. And if you're going to be a founder, which I imagine a lot of your audience want to be, or, you know, if you can't sell, you learn. <laughs> you're in trouble. You are in trouble. You it's can't. A, it's yeah, you need money. It's, yeah. it's a big problem. You, you yeah. have to sell to candidates to convince them to come work yeah. with you. You have to go and sell to investors yeah. to give you money. You have to sell to customers to to work with you. It's selling all over the place. So you mm -hmm. have to be good at that skill. You really do. Yeah, it's, it's a non-negotiable, isn't it? Absolutely. I love a startup hack. Every yeah. founder has one. But tell me, what is your, um, what is your startup hack? Uh, it's, it's, it's the network, right? Like I, I, I genuinely believe that I'm not sure it's a hack or not, but the most, my most important possession to me is my network. So what's your advice then for building that network? <sighs> yeah. Okay, cool. So you want to build your network. I think the big hack really goes back to the LinkedIn conversation. Seriously, reach out, connect, pay things forward. Um, if you can go around, you can go help people and ask for nothing in return. You'd be amazed at what comes back to you. That is, that is actually a hack paying things forward and it sounds counterintuitive but i know now there's some people in this world that i've helped and i can pick up the phone and they have generated that that, that has generated nearly millions of pounds in its own right you know that's a great hack <laughs> amen yeah, yeah just help people yes go help people and ask for nothing in return but when the time comes to pick up the phone yeah um you need and the fact that's actually that and the true story for me is when I first started the academy, I was charging like this paper lead basis that was not going to go down very well. Um, and I had to start charging a retainer fee for it. And, and I called anyone and everyone that I knew. And in a month, I did 120 grand. And I really called everybody I knew, you know, but it's, it just shows what you can do. It really does. No, it really does. I, I called that. And one other thing we talk about on the show here is we call it the startup simbin. It's one of those things that once you mm -hmm. become a founder and you move yourself into that founder verse and you come across things, you're like, God, I really wish this didn't exist. Yeah. What would you chuck in there? So I have listened to a few of your podcasts as well. So I've been thinking about this one forever and I'm going to stick my sales theme. The thing that I find the most annoying about founders is once they've hired their VP of sales or their first sales hire, they think they don't need to sell anymore. And I see it time and time and time again and actually no the founder then needs to start selling more than ever right and they need to be working very very closely with that vp of sales and technical founders typically do this a lot right and it's just so naughty because they just they just expect the first vp of sales hire to be a magician not a vp of sales like you haven't solved your sales problem just because you've hired a great sales guy Right. That's not the truth. So I, I just see startups making that mistake again and again and again and again. And people want to hear from the founder. Founder led sales are powerful, not scalable, but you need that well up until series A, maybe series B still for your big accounts, you know? hundred percent agree. You've got to be getting your hands there because how do you, if you're not speaking to your customers at that first conversation, how are you learning? Yeah, absolutely. And I made the mistake of not talking to my customers after I sold the thing and I've spent the last sort of three months spending a lot more time with them. Oh my God like 
Yeah, that's another good hack. Spend time with your customers, right? <laughs> it's, the, it's, the, it's the ultimate. The ultimate yeah. one. Talk to your customers. Yeah, talk to your customers. That's it. Yeah. All right, mate, look, it's been great coming on. And look, Thank you. you've, you've achieved some amazing things. I am, you know, I'm absolutely inspired by this. And I wish you the best of luck. And um, keep it up. Thanks, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thanks.